This is the Beige and the Bold, and today we are watching Cost of Living. I'm Van Velding, and I watched this episode when it originally aired. And I'm Derek. This is my first time watching this episode. You ready? Yep. In three, two, one, engage. So we start right off with the Riker scene here. Like, bam. Right. Right into it. We get, uh, we're going to instantly blow the shit out of a goddamn right. asteroid. I mean, asteroid. this is hot. This is, this is heavy action. Like, the camera's moving around everywhere. Yeah. You know, I thought this was like some sort of <laughs> training exercise or something. The only um, way to make this more intense is if you made the bridge twice as long and made them run to each end of it and then also yeah. added lens flare. I feel like this episode gets like a C as far as plausible technobabble. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I was like, hey, listen. Nitrium I'm, and cordite. The, the asteroid's made of nitrium and cordite. Photon torpedoes won't have any effect on us, sir. Are you right. sure this the data? Are you sure that <laughs> nitrium and cordite are both forms of matter, which when exposed to <laughs> antimatter become not matter anymore? <laughs> yeah. I, I need I to mean, check my handbook here, but let me see. Are they a list of matter? <laughs> Dady, uh, data's like casually <laughs> listing weaknesses of photon torpedoes. Like, oh, don't you know? Like, photon torpedoes can't get through a shield of nitrium and cordite. Duh. <laughs> And they got magnetic shit. Look, just use the deflector dish to shoot the beam to make the nuclear chain reaction happen and the rock explode. Done. Yeah. You're like, what the fuck? This is, yeah, this is peak techno battle. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't a fan of this. <laughs> like that particular bit. I'm like, okay, I feel like there's some problems here. I think what they were trying to go, yeah. oh yeah, and then... The result is a space fairy dust that is foreshadowing our, it's, our future It's space conflict. glitter, man. Once it gets on you, it doesn't come off. Trust me. It does seem I, that um, way. It also eats through nitrium, I guess. I don't know. That's what I've heard. Uh, so, <laughs> like that Picard and Riker just swagger away like, yep, that's <laughs> yeah, our Riker yeah. scene done. We, we, that's our action we, quotient for this week. <laughs> we micromanaged the hell of that scene, sir. You damn right we did. <laughs> Jean-Luc Picard is the only one that knows about magnetic resonance, nuclear interactions. And right, just off the top rocks. of his head, by the way. Like, he has yeah. he has a like walking, talking supercomputer that just never thought to do that. Right. I know. His de facto science officer computer, man, is like, I'm out of ideas, <laughs> dude. Yeah. Maybe it's kind of more like uh, they had a meeting, you know, that the week before. And it's like, uh, you want to see me, sir? It's like, yes, Mr. Data, sit down. So, um, you kind of know everything. And uh, if I'm going to be a better captain, I need you to let me find uh, solutions on my own. It's like, uh, well, sir, I, I generally only um, interject when it's a life or death situation. It's like, yes, yes, I hear you, Mr. Data. <laughs> However, I work best under pressure. So, um, unless I make it an order, could you just not know things? <laughs> Yeah, if you know. insist, I, sir. My preferred theory is cut to five years ago. Data's in a bar. Some guy spills a drink on him. He's like, shut up, you stupid robot. And Data's like, I didn't say anything. He's like, shut up. I'm from Trellium 3. Fuck off. And Data's like, you know what? I'm going to study the human emotion of petty vengeance. And cut to five years later, asteroid hurtling at Trellium 3. No idea, sir. Torpedoes won't work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I, I'm pushing this button. That's the air conditioner. Nope, nope. It says torpedoes. I'm pushing it. I'm blowing it with the vents, sir. So he has like little <laughs> vents. And he's just moving up and down. It's right. not helping. <laughs> so this is so, kind of a bog standard. A single parent doesn't understand kids things. 
Um, and, you know, we've already established that Troy helps Worf be a parent, which is kind of good. You know, it makes sense in the post-scarcity utopia of Starfleet that counselors could just like, oh, you're having trouble raising your belligerent Klingon kid? Um, come over here and I'll tell you to make a contract. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they really do have a synergy as parents. Like, they have two different wavelengths that they work on. Like yeah. uh, Magic Man and El Diablo. I, I just right. feel like, like there's synergy there. Yeah, well, I mean, Worf is essentially like hyper-masculine, right? And she's kind of hyper-feminine, I would say. Um, yeah, that's right. Which I think that the way they write her is somewhat of an indictment of how the writers view females. But, you know, that's, you know, I, th- I feel like I've waxed at length about that. Um, so I mean, when they are yeah. together helping raise Alexander, it does seem to help. I like that. It's cute. It gives it, it gives it some function that it doesn't usually have. Right. And, you know, like I say, whenever you have someone like Troy, who's written to be so archetypically feminine, it does give other women in the script room to do something different, which isn't like the greatest reclamation of that practice, but it's an upside. Like if she has. Yeah. I mean, at least it's a non zero kind of amount. And I, I do like this bit where it's like, Hey, listen, um, you're about to go do this thing. It's going to suck and whatever. But listen, these rules are important. And you should really kind of give them a little bit more thought. And, yeah. you know, this is somewhat foreshadowing because we're going to learn that oh, um, yeah. in the characters of this episode, um, Worf and Troy are kind of like rule followers. Like they're all about following rules. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this series is called the Beige and the Bold for a reason because right. they get really beigey. Uh, I think... <laughs> Two or three episodes from now, we're going to be watching Picard tell a kid to basically eat their vegetables. It's going to get get real suburban, is what I'm saying. So So, this is like, it's going to get real suburban. This is is kind of a a pretty classic Luxwana introduction, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. The thing is, is that everyone here is going to be way more buttoned up, simply because it's a Luxwana episode. Right. So... It's got to be done in contrast. Yeah. As, as we watch her wear this dress, this episode won an Emmy for uh, costuming and makeup. I wouldn't which, doubt that. She there's a, no. there's a costume that Luxwana wears towards the end. And no, it's not a birthday suit. But I feel like it's probably <laughs> like, like the best costume yeah. I've seen her wear. Like it, just the design of it is pretty clever, and I really like it a lot. Um, yeah, and I'll point it out when it shows up. But this this is kind of interesting and somewhat foreshadowing. There's going to be some pro- you know, there are going to be problems when her suitor kind of comes aboard uh, the Enterprise. But here, yeah. Troy is really trying to say, like, Mom, I I want to know more about this guy that you're going to marry. Like, I care about you. I want good things to happen to you. And she's like, questions, questions, stop, <laughs> stop asking. I mean, D- me Dia's asking for basic information. Right. What's the guy's name? What does he do? What does he look okay, like? Legit. Just, when I was a teenager and I started dating and I said, Mom, uh, I have a girlfriend, blah, blah, blah. She would say, what's her name? And I would say so-and-so. And he's like, what's her last name? And I'd be like, uh, damn. <laughs> but I learned yeah. over time that you should learn more about the people that you start dating, even <laughs> if you're a dumb kid. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I just want to say that. Luxana's habit of going, why do you got to ask all these questions is hashtag my family to a T. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, honestly. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But 
So, I, so I, they're trying to work out the difficulties and this other issue comes up. Yeah. It's like Alexander doesn't feel like he should have to uh, polish the bronze statue of Mulg, even though it's every uh, little Klingon's duty to, to polish their father's statue of Mulg. <laughs> I don't care how many times it's almost killed him. And Alexander's like, every time the ship has turbulence, it falls on me. <laughs> it's like, double on, it, it's like triple my weight dad the, the wild thing is that Lawaxana says that she knows an Alexander who's a great warrior and I'm like man we got at least two of those in human history Lawaxana's too young to, to have known either one of them yeah so like how many human warriors into Alexander are there yeah I mean who knows uh she might be thinking of sometimes she she had an orgy in the holodeck or something with like Every every programmed leader they could find. <laughs> okay, I don't um, like. Uh, I, I, she does this. This is a like this is classic Lakswana negging, right? Like she yeah. calls Worf Mister Wolf, and that feels um, maybe it's, it's condescending, and it's like I don't feel like this is kind of like this kind of matriarchal white woman, you know, being condescending to just like a you know, a strong black male because she feels like it. It just feels weird. Yeah, it feels weird and, like, intentionally disrespectful. It's like, yeah. oh, she's so artsy. She doesn't learn people's names. But, like, on the other hand, maybe f*** her. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, also, like, she makes like a really just... awful f***ing point about yeah. contracts being between, between people who don't trust each other. Contracts are there to make agreements explicit so both individuals understand right. what's expected of them. Yeah. The fucking society runs because on contracts. Setting- Setting expectations is important, and the people who don't want to set expectations are used to getting something for nothing. Right. Exactly. Uh, It's a nice little bit here between Picard and Riker, where they're like, "Ah, do we want to have her do this? Don't we have like 15 conference halls or something? Aren't we basically a Marriott? (laughs) What about about the holodecks? Like, we can just basically program any, any conference hall we desire. Can we just give her a holodeck, call it done? Yeah, I know, right? It's like, so, or hell, I'll I'll program a version of you to give her away, and I won't even have to be you. <laughs> that would be so great. But uh, <laughs> Picard's like, look, if if I'm if I'm giving the Waxana Troy away, then man, I am so happy to do this. Yes, yeah. let's do it right here, right now. Can we have the wedding immediately? Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, and this is kind of Picard's like, he's she's made me feel uncomfortable enough over the time of knowing her that I'll be glad to see her attached. Yes. Go on. Having someone to just keep her busy. <laughs> so. uh, she's definitely a dominant one for sure. And like, you know, this is kind of where we start um, this interesting pairing we have of Alexander and Luxwana. And there's a lot of, I feel like there's some things to unpack here. You know, there's yeah. kind of the grandmotherly, perhaps, instinct that Luxwana's having. Uh, there's also kind of yeah. you know this notion of that it's easier kind of talk to kids because kids don't have um well they don't necessarily have a notion of like i'm better than you sometimes they're just like oh well you're of a certain age therefore you probably know things that i don't know so they'll ask questions um as yeah, opposed they, they to saying i know better than you do what i say no do what i say and back and forth yeah they, they don't have their own push they don't have their own take on things they're sponges right. yeah and that's um that's why pedophiles exist so like on <laughs> the one hand like <laughs> they're 
there yeah. is like a one-sidedness to this relationship yeah. to an extent. And what the good thing about this episode is that eventually that this episode becomes reciprocal. Right. And that's why it's a good relationship that we like between these two. Um, yeah. Also, everything Alexander's describing with not wanting to go home because he's afraid of his parent is kind of a red flag for abuse. <laughs> like, I mean, a hundred percent. Like, it is. Uh, it just makes you wonder. It's like, Alexander, that's enough. You're getting a whipping, and it's like, oh, okay, you're just gonna slap him on the butt, and then it's like a whole chamber of just him, like, like whipping the crap out of him with like various. The sorts music of from the original series plays. It's like, all right, if you want to have food, then you must best me in single combat. Damn, <laughs> again, yeah. and I mean. You know, like, we do see that, that Worf does have some parenting issues to work on. And the right. good thing about the contract that Troy suggested is that it would help with that. Uh, yeah. It's we, it's played for laughs, but when Worf was like, I'm not, I don't yell. Then yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, like, that's not great. Like, there's yeah. a way that he's used to going about things. Right. Um, yeah. And, and like, you know, it's, you know, there's a, I guess... I don't know what the difference is between Alexander and a quote regular um or just human kid. Nor- yeah, well not a human kid but like a a Klingon socialized Klingon child. Kid. Yeah. Beca- because I don't like he just reads as like a human kid to me because I guess he was raised by like a was kind of she was like a Klingon but like Earth, she was like an Earth Klingon or something. I can't remember. She, she, she was she was half human, half Klingon, but she didn't like Klingon culture or. Oh yeah, that much. was it. Yeah. Um, so she did not imbue Alexander from an early age with a lot of Klingon cultural elements. So, so therefore, he's kind of by yeah. default pretty human. Yeah, Alexander's having problem with rules. So Luxwana's like, "Oh, we know what you need: space Burning Man. <laughs> Here, take this LSD. <laughs> We're gonna go see some fire breathers." <laughs> Yeah, it's a hippie commune, basically. Right. And so we kind of do like a quick tour of all the eccentric personalities and right. different things that are here. Yeah. Um, which is a great use of, of these little sets that we've got. Usually we'd be outside on a planet. But yeah. now we're not trying to sell like a whole planet here. We're just trying to sell one little part of one. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's and everything is very superficial. Like, it's just kind of, it's almost as if, like, they walked into an improv session. It's like, all right, you are a alien juggler who is mercurial. Go. And he's like, okay. And he just, like, yeah. makes up a whole bunch of social things, like, right off the bat. Well, we, we punch through this so quickly. Right. Uh, because we're focusing on our B-plot, our terrible, terrible yeah. B-plot. In this episode, that's yeah. so tip tacked on science fiction, tacked on action. Like we got to have both of these things in our Star Trek. So yeah, we kind of throw in the B plot, and then it intersects with this storyline at like one point, exactly one point that we never talked about. I love this point right here where he says, "He's like, why are they friends if they fight?" It's like, well, who else are you going to fight with if not your friends? And it's like, there's a great point to unpack there. <laughs> not that you yeah. should like be a jerk to your friends, but that. Once you are familiar enough with the person, you're more comfortable with having that relationship with them. It shows you that, you know, you're kind of on a deeper relationship because people, you know, contrary to what House and others would have you believe, uh, are not jerks to other people in public. Yeah, it's uh, there are a lot of ideas here that are interesting and the way that they're presented is is interesting. 
not not particularly deep, as you point out, but we are seeing actual new civilizations and new ways of living like yeah. Star Trek should be about. This is so weird. Like, he just took four words and and yeah. he's like, I learned this trick. All I got to do is say these four words and then grown-ups get confused. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> he, does it, he does it to Worf later and it's like, wait, what? Like, well, I don't even know what that yeah. means. Yeah, uh, it's pretty interesting because he doesn't really understand what's going on. Right. And yet he's soaking all of it in. And it just, it seems true to a lot of my experiences as a kid. Yeah. Where adults are like, this is so important. And I'm like, I'm getting like 10% of Nothing. what is here. Yeah. And it's not the parts you think I'm getting. Right. Um, and, you know, we, we say, you know, through the eyes of a child because kids don't get any of this shit. Right. Yeah. You only get it much later when you remember whatever you decided to remember. What? Which is, I, he's not with you? <laughs> I thought he yeah. was with you. It's a good moment. So Troy comes looking for Alexander, and Worf was like, I thought you had Alexander. Um, <laughs> and, but, you know, as someone who watched this as a kid, and who kind of was like, ugh, Loxana episodes. Um, yeah. Oh, look at this cringy little commune they have. And then watching it as an adult, and you're like, oh, there's, there's a lot going on here. It's actually a pretty good episode. I caught like 10% of this, not the part they thought yeah. I would catch. So this is so. kind of a problematic bit. Like, I don't have a problem with all of them, like, chilling in a mud bath and having what's hopefully non-alcoholic beverages in edible cups. Um, but, you know, and I like this little moment that she's talking about where it's like, hey, listen, we have all of these different bits of ourselves that are important and they help us out in different times and different social. And, and, you know, she's essentially kind of being poetic about young archetypes. And, you know, you see that a lot, I think, in writing, you know, but Fair a enough. little not too long from now, we're going to get something that reads 100 percent like uh, the dude that was juggling paid someone 50 bucks to be a stripper for them for like 30 minutes. Yep, here it is. Yeah. The thing is, is that this is like a bohemian colony and everybody has like a weird talent. Yeah. Um, well, first, first we got to get this. Oh, yeah. Is, I forgot about this. We've done this before, walking into someone else's holodeck program. And there's got to be a protocol. At some point, there's got to be a protocol. <laughs> yeah. Because it's always Well, and the other thing, too, weird. is like, Luxwana called this thing a guardian. So I, I thought it was going to like buzz him, like, like prevent Worf from like entering uh, until he was sufficiently happy. And Worf just like. I like to think that that was like his security privileges, but yeah, like he yeah. just like bypass it. But yeah, congrats. The entertainment is um, a scantily clad woman that's dancing. I'm like, oh, cool, that's appropriate. Oh, whoa, wow. I'm I'm looking at what what's missing from this um, stripper. You know, my friend sitting in a jacuzzi. You know, stripper like that. Oh, okay. You see, it comes across as artistic in the celebration of the body and the movement and that kind of thing with this bohemian theme they have going on here. Yeah. And you're like, maybe we're pushing a boundary, um, but it's not sexual. It's artistic. And then, like, the guy blows her a kiss. And I'm like, ah, so is, yeah. it, is it sexual now? I don't know. I feel guys. like you could. I feel like any Cirque du Soleil performance can show you that you can give artistic dance numbers without being uh, almost zero clothed. Yeah. So, but generally, I think I, even though we, we push through it. Yeah. Um, I feel like we have seen like an interesting culture that she likes engaging with. And that's right. really opened up Alexander's mind to different possibilities that he hasn't gotten with Kayla. Yeah. That he hasn't gotten with Worf on board yeah. the Enterprise. 
Yeah, and that's uh, I, you know I, I think that's an interesting thing that we could have unpacked and like why is, <laughs> why is Star why is Starfleet a monoculture like why isn't there more things there? Um, yeah, yeah, this is but, kind of well, an interesting catch by by her, right? Yeah, and it's so subtle, and it gives us like the one thing that we know about Betazoid culture, which is right. they have weddings naked, which yeah. for a culture which we see is generally we see through the eyes of two women. They're like, oh, right. two attractive women, and their thing with the culture is that they have weddings naked. But yeah, whatever. It's part of Betazoid culture, however poorly that's flushed out. <laughs> right. And, you know, Troy's shock is completely organic whenever she's yeah, like, wait, you're going to get married way. in a dress? What the heck? Yeah. Um, I was like, whoa, it's a great mom, moment. you always said you are going to have a tradition Betazoid wedding. Like, hell, that was the yeah. plot of the episode last time we were here where you embarrassed Picard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, like it comes up and it's it's pretty regular and then we get sausages in the tea so I'm sorry there's two points where this interacts with our B plot yeah yeah I mean that all she she drinks it anyway so that's kind of I do love that she drinks it anyway yeah it is yeah. kind of a little weird she's but I, I, I think that is good that she still drinks it but you know yeah. here's the thing going back a little bit to Troy because we can totally talk over this because it's garbage and yeah you know, she was trying to find out more about – I mean, not that. Not not about the uh, the husband. But she was talking about, hey, listen, I'm working with this kid and his father. And you're – like you're undermining everything that I'm doing. And it – you know, as a person who has a child and my parents are still alive, it is very frustrating when you're trying to teach a child a thing and then they go see their grandparents. Also, why do they have to do a wardrobe change? It's so weird. <laughs> Because they're do- they're getting dirty with all of the greasy what parts grease? of the inside Where? of the sh- <laughs> there's, there's grease there's grease Derek. It's all, <laughs> I'll have to take your word uh, for it. They're wearing gloves and PPE. <laughs> what if they they're breathe just, something dangerous? That's why they get Jor- the masks on. That's why oh, they get well, the masks yeah. on. Derek. Yeah, I can see why. <laughs> yeah, Jordy, Jordy has protective eyewear. I see what you're going on now. Oh yeah, no, you can. They, they they didn't just change into a set of overalls and are just handling things with their bare hands and bare faces when there's goop everywhere. Yeah, it'd be insane. Uh, so I don't know why they changed. Into it's the really weird that she has white hair. I don't really get that. Uh, but I love Mr. Han. Like whoever the actor is, like he does such a good job of conveying. Like so, Carl Strucken, I believe, is his name. Okay, neat. And and it, this is this is his last appearance. Oh. Well, you, Luxwana is this kind of maelstrom of energy, and he does a good job of being a physical actor that doesn't say anything to let the scene breathe. You know what I mean? Like, he's yeah. there, he's not going to say anything, but he's going to do these physical movements that kind of either <laughs> prep us or let us wind down from Luxwana's latest kind of um, flurry of energy. Yeah. He's great to play off of her. He is yeah. he is Alfred to her Batman. Of course, 100%. Um, and it's good. It's a good dynamic to have. So, And here we get a very different tone between Luxana, yeah. who's wearing her wedding dress, and Alexander, who's just coming by to see her. Because he's afraid that he got her into trouble. Right. You know, like, and, that's, uh, and that's nice of him. You know, I mean, it means that Worf is doing... Some good as a parent, you know, because he's being considerate of others, that kind of jazz. Yeah. So, I mean, despite <laughs> all the problems they have, uh, he's a good kid. 
Yeah. And I like what I like about this kind of relationship is that she's not talking to him like a kid here. Like she's talking <laughs> to him like just a person. And that's exactly what you should do with kids. I mean, until they get until they get confused, you should talk to them just like you would talk to any other person in the room. And she's doing that with him. She's treating him as an equal. And that's great. That that shows how she's interest like treating him like a person. Yeah. And so here's what we get with latter day Lwaxana Troy episodes. Like yeah. a lot of fun. But they hit us with the hard stuff. First the joking right. Derek. <laughs> then the heavy stuff. They <laughs> That's how you sneak it in. Yeah. And Majel Barrett nails this. I mean oh, of yeah. course of course she does. We we take it for granted, you know, you might know individually, oh look, she's married to Gene Roddenberry. Oh also Gene Roddenberry died a few months ago. Um literally oh, yeah. her husband oh, died wow. just a few months ago. Yeah. Um, and you you can know those facts individually, but when you put them together, um, yeah. you know it, it's it's kind of real, and you don't yeah. even know, need to know that for this scene to have its effect because she's doing good work with it. Um, yeah, and, and you know little... what? What I think is interesting too is that she's having, you know, like she's talking about like she's lonely, but that marriage is on the way out, and it just feels like a very '90s vibe, and I don't know if. That is necessarily the only way you can remedy loneliness. But at the same time, that's, I guess, whatever she's decided to latch on to. So that's what we're going with. I mean, I get, I, like, we need some reason for her to want to get married to this guy and to stick with it for as long as we know it's a bad. She, she's doing internet dating. Yeah. Um, and I don't think this Space episode. <laughs> I, I don't think this episode's too early for internet dating to be like this weird new thing. Um, I mean, th- it definitely was like in the '90s. Um, it was weird to have an email. Uh, well, it was weird to have an email like mid '90s, late '90s, not so much. But only nerds really had them, and young kids, not like adults. R- regardless, he said that they shared profiles, so I feel like it's trying, trying kind of hitting that. Yeah. Um, so, and I'm, I'm sure there was like mail order marriages that were arranged. Well, I that. mean, you had the net with Sandra Bullock. Uh, she, how that whole thing gets kicked off is that she's like in a chat room, like kind of dating, kind of dating a guy. So unless it, it couldn't, it could be a way of dating that isn't what we're accustomed to, but more along the lines of just, oh, I was in a chat room where we traded nudie pics. Right. And I don't, I never saw the net because, <laughs> you know, good taste. But um, oh, shots fired! Right. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> uh, so the deal is, is that um, you know, so she, so why is she doing this? Why is she doing this this weird thing? Uh, and she's like, oh, it's because I was lonely. Yeah. And we're like, oh, well, now it makes sense to us. And then we look at it now, we're like, well, does it make sense? Like, right? Older, older like people she's can always... have fulfilling lives with different companions and different types of companionship. You know how much yeah. tail you can get in a nursing home? Yeah. Uh, like, uh, and so I think it was definitely something of its time where we're like, oh, she's lonely. Yeah. That explains everything. And right. at the end, she, she kind of like shakes. She's like, oh, no, I'm not going to do this after all. And we don't really discuss the consequences that drove her. Like, so she's just fine being lonely. Yeah. She, like, she just like, she just stuffs all that loneliness deep down to where no one can see it. And she's just friends with Alexander now, so, like, that's good <laughs> yeah. enough. Yeah, she's like, going to, like, shuffle. This, uh, okay, come on, dude. Like, how do you not know that, like, that's a rude thing to do? Like, come on. Yeah. I, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. 
So it's, you know, it's her first meeting with this guy. And this guy's obviously straight out of the Azorius Senate, for crying out loud. Yeah. He is, He's like, oh, I, I'm the rules man, and here I have my rules butler do all the rules for me, but I'm very interested in rules, and here is my bride-to-be, Laswana. Yeah, he's almost cartoonishly yeah. not suited to be with Luxana. Like, they say opposites attract, but uh, this isn't Dar- Space Dharma and Greg. Like, this is gonna <laughs> get problematic pretty quick. I feel like like this was arranged by Zap Brannigan as part of sorry, Bender <laughs> as some sort of scheme. Right. It's like, Bender, did you just get us a bunch of ministers from a bus station? <laughs> also, like, listen, Picard, we need to run the decoy or else the algae won't eat up enough nitrium that we can then crush into a diamond. <laughs> Picard's like, yeah, so we have a serious uh, problem on the ship. We haven't completely identified it, haven't nailed down poop in all of our systems. But uh, no, Minister, come on board. Let's plan a wedding <laughs> yeah. on this fucking death ship. I know, right? Like, I was thinking about that. Like, oh, we, like, we, when you say uh, we have this substance and we have yet to be able to identify it on the Star Trek Enterprise with a supercomputer science officer. That should be cause for concern of letting any kind of foreign dignitaries aboard. Yeah. I mean, you. I, I get it. It's the Enterprise. Weird happens once a week for, like, everything outside of the summer for some reason. And right. you can't just stop the ship when it gets weird. But at the same <laughs> time, uh, like, you, you can take some precautions. You could be like, buddy, we don't know what this is. We got yeah. poop. Do you, do you know what this is? Do you know what this goop is? <laughs> Like, I'm, no, I, I was really mad this. because uh, early in that meeting when like Jordy's like, here's the canister of goop. We don't know what it is, but it's eating all of the wire, the space wiring in our ship. It's like, oh, yes, goop. He's like, so. Um, and then Riker's like, maybe we should do a mass spec on it. I'm like, what do you think? Motherfucker, we've been doing that. <laughs> That's how we identify things, you piece of junk. <laughs> 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 yeah, I feel like there's an actual mass spectrometer somewhere, like a like a late yeah. 20th century mass spectrometer. And it's like, what do you think like, we were doing? Do we, we were those? just like at yeah. It's like, what do you think we were doing? Just knocking on everyone's doors and asking, "Hey, you know what this is?" <laughs> so, whatever, I'm yeah. studying it. So, I mean, this is kind of just like single parent. Um, oh yeah, see, I mean, that's good. He got him. He got him. <laughs> He's like, well, I won the argument, so I'm going to (laughs) bounce. He's like, yeah, no, I got to, you know, I said I'd be there, so I'm going to be there. And Wolf was like, look, man, I'm too tired. I worked worked a (laughs) six-hour shift today. (laughs) There are no security breaches. I'm tired of shit, Alexander. I'm just tired. (laughs) (laughs) Just between you and me, everyone's life here is hanging on by a thread, and I would just love it if you would eat. (laughs) (laughs) That's how we act, but it's like, dude, what do you do today? Did you do that? It was who so fucking that? rough. Who picks, up, who picks up food just to squish it? I don't think I've ever he's, met anyone like that. He's frustrated. He, and he doesn't want to go after Alexander because he's so frustrated. He doesn't want to, like, be angry at him. Well, yeah, he's he's counting like, ten. We've all, we've all been frustrated, but who picks up food and does that? It's gross. People take things in their hands that are available, and they take out their frustrations on them. Sometimes, well, sometimes it's a space cucumber. So, yeah. So I, um, we're going to get a better shot of this dress, but this is my favorite dress that Luxwan is in. Okay. I think it's kind of great. And like the, what's, what's really interesting about it is its silhouette. You know, if you see how, um, 
essentially what the very top of her dress reminds me of is like a buttress on a castle because you see how it kind of like has that gold at the top like kind of like supporting her breast but underneath there's kind of like this these feathers i guess and it it kind of does this interesting thing with the silhouette i just think it's pretty pretty rad all right fair enough fair enough i um to me, this is this seems like more yeah. and more haphazard looks. <laughs> but how Hall. bad is Compio at, at scheduling? He's like, nope, we have to talk about the wedding right now. Like, as of when? He's like, as yeah. of five minutes ago, when I thought we needed to talk about this right now. Maybe you fuck yeah. off and give me a fucking Google Calendar invite, you piece of <laughs> Yeah. Who the fuck and am like, I married he's here? He's seething. <laughs> he is seething right now. And it's yeah. funny. It's like, you, you can't just spring... An unviable uh, scheduling appointment with on someone. You can't do right. that. Yeah. At the very least, she, she should have rescheduled with one of the two parties. And I don't know. Maybe she didn't because she's the Luxana Troy. But I mean, this she's is like, worlds colliding, right? Group. Like she's got her wharf, yeah. her wharf conflict with her marriage conflict, with her daughter conflict, all kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah. And it's a great I love how scene. she is so willing. Just like, hey, Mr. Allen, handle this crap. I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah. Like Mr. Holm, get him drinks, give him massages, get him to fucking shut up while I do my. I thing. feel, I feel like um, the that laugh is a great feel, callback. Yeah, it is pretty good. I feel like the um, the job wreck for Mr. Han was probably like must have at least fifty years of Zen experience. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, just to deal with walks on. Yeah, yeah, I mean, she's got to be. He doesn't even talk, guys. and he just can handle it all. It's pretty interesting. I feel like Luxana and Alexander are like throwing caltrops down behind them. It's the only reason <laughs> yeah, everybody can like, be so like, like ten minutes we, behind them. Yeah, why are we doing this? <laughs> this is going to hurt them. It's like yes, but it'll slow them down. Keep throwing them. Yeah, it only hurts if they're not careful. That, that's the point. Slows them down. <laughs> yeah, we're teaching them. You understand? Your, your dad's a military guy. They're one corridor away uh, from the holodeck. He's like, we're out of caltrops. Okay, give me the claymore. <laughs> <laughs> Warp is so, a tripwire and he freezes. He's like, all right, Deanna, I need, to, I need to instruct you on how to deactivate the tripwire. It's <laughs> like a little, a little pocket knife with scissors in it. Okay. Yeah. So, I, you know, this is kind of... Um, so we were supposed to... I don't know if we were supposed to get, like, blob vibes from this whole, like, space algae eating situation, but it just doesn't even register as, like, a, a thing to worry about. Like, we're just there, chasing there, gremlins until we find them all, and then that's it. Yeah, like they're trying to keep that story paced with this story. Right. But like we're not moving much further along. Yeah. It like, oh, it's slightly worse now. Um here's yeah. a so here's a place you've seen before, but now it's red. Yeah. So this dude is like uh like Alexander's laughing at this dude's demise. <laughs> like everything that he cared about all day yesterday is just gone because he can't even think past the present moment. Right. Poor and again, bastard. there's a lot of things going on here with this interesting community, but we are just blowing right past it all. I mean, yeah, this dude's going to just have an existential crisis and probably eat a phaser blast, but uh, you know, <laughs> let's just let's just leave him. Let's leave him be. He'll be fine. He's just a program. Hey, he might, he might be feelings. really into unicycles tomorrow. You know, you don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. He looked pretty distraught about devouring the worlds that he he vowed to protect. Or whatever he might be the almost nude dancer for next week. You don't know. 
This is also true. This is a place of many, many changes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this is our I, second part where our B plot and yeah. our A plot, giving us so the look illusion at, look that Look at the silhouette connected. right here. Look at that. It's great. It's such a great silhouette. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, I do like. He's okay, like, hey, what's wrong? Enough. He's like, um, just uh, we gotta go. Uh, everything's melting. <laughs> right. Um. So apparently, metal parasites are a thing. Tessin three. Yeah. Apparently, it is because they they don't even. They just call it metal parasites. Like, oh, it eats nitrum. It's everywhere. It's like, wait, so half <laughs> your ship is somehow immune to fucking photon torpedoes, too? Like, seems reasonable, yeah. but also slightly a suspect, but whatever. So what I'm hearing is that if the Vulcans ever find this asteroid field and teach the nitrium space algae to just specifically, like, target Enterprise-class ships, uh, Starfleet's doomed. Like, Absolutely doomed. There are so many really interesting things in Star Trek that, like, if they were ever in a war, they should just like open up their little books and be, just be like, you know what? Okay, we're gonna we're gonna unleash <laughs> the energy draining space baby. Yeah. yeah. One it's like, you know what? I have a demigod that owes me a favor. <laughs> I'm gonna call this one in. Yeah, I know, right? And they're like, yeah, existential war. Come on, come on. Yeah. Go on, listen, Q. You know you're gonna like it, man. I I will give you I will give you thirty minutes, huh? It'll be a challenge. Thirty minutes. You think we're pretentious? Oh, you should see these dicks, dude. <laughs> They're the worst. <laughs> and Data's like, we got gas we can use to slow it down, or we're not kind of yeah. Like he said, like, oh, it's cold, bad. and he's like, all right, cool. We're just gonna like that seems like a good solution, and then we don't even bring it up yeah. again. And the thing is, they're searching for the parasites, but what they actually need to do is do like a zone defense where they know yeah. the most critical areas that could be affected so they can just defend those areas preemptively. It allegedly yeah. moves well, yeah. through if contiguous you, metal surfaces. If you set up like a space algae wall around all the critical systems and then so you have a an in and out area and then where all the space algaes are in, you just... Make that smaller and smaller, and then bam! Guess what? Binary also, one binary search tree later, and you found your space algae. <laughs> you, you know what, bro? Also, this ship splits in two pieces. <laughs> oh wait, it does, doesn't it? Uh, I wonder why I forgot about that. Pieces. Maybe it's because we never use it. <laughs> hey, we almost used it earlier when we hit the quantum <laughs> we filament and Troy was in command. Yeah, we were super close, but we decided against it. <laughs> they also have shuttlecrafts. Like, why don't you just? Load up a shuttlecraft and then shoot your yeah. nitrium beam at the shuttlecraft. Or meet the freaking you know, shuttlecraft. Or you could just like straight up like load all of the crew inside the ram of the transporter and shoot the ram out into space. <laughs> and so like everyone is just like dematerialized in this memory bank, and then eventually uh, they arrive on some starbase somewhere and get rematerialized. Bam! Whoa, done. whoa, 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 whoa! That's like spoilers for two episodes. Whoa, um, whoa, really? <laughs> Maybe three. Anyway. Okay. Um, okay. Fair enough. So, and then, like, the thing happens. They're like, Why are they oh, gotten to the warp core. What happened to the gas, guys? There was a gas <laughs> yeah. you were going to use. Right. You, you were going to use the gas. You said you were going to make it colder, and now everyone's sweating. What's going on? I'm confused. <laughs> we used the wrong elemental attack type, sir. We <laughs> up the basic he's rock, paper, scissors, combat system. 
We had one. We had one uh, cold spell, and he used a reverse spell on us, sir. <laughs> the metal parasites developed Uno reverse technology. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a blue deck, sir. He's he's counterspelling everything. <laughs> so yeah, now, now we're gonna have one super long sequence where right. we're doing this B plot, and we're like, oh, it's five minutes away. Oh, it's yeah. it's. Five hours away. Now it's two hours away. Now, yeah, now we've and lost all that's of our super. Air. It was kind of really hard to keep track of like the passage of time, and basically like, all right, listen, me and number one are gonna go take a nap. You're gonna handle this, all right, Data? <laughs> yeah, and like Loaxana and Alexander and right, Compio are all like yeah. dying all somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Also, it's amazing that no one here is wearing a fucking spacesuit. Picard doesn't like right. leave, comes back, has a spacesuit. Oh man, these are great. We should definitely use these. <laughs> I hope everyone has one of these. Man, this is really, really comfortable. I could live in here for like a week at least. Yeah. Like they have a way to do EVAs. Like they have spacesuits in the movies. I don't know what the TV yeah. shows. I mean, yeah. DS9 has just... spacesuits because they stole them from the movies, but like they did, they, oh, okay. they raided the wardrobe of the movies to have them. But like they have them here, they gotta. Yeah. Whatever. I think I even remember I, I saw like one or two episodes of Enterprise and I'm pretty sure I saw a spacesuit then. So Yeah. I don't know, it's weird. It's really weird that that's not here. Yeah. I mean we we at the very least know that we can compress air. <laughs> so seems like they could just kind of like have compressed air in emergency situations. <laughs> Like little things that come down from the top, like the little glass dome has a bunch yeah. of masks. In it. Oh, yeah, so, so they said they were going to use the Broussard collectors for this, and they just shoot a random beam out of the saucer. And I know it's a completely nerd nitpick, but yeah, if you're going to use the Broussard also, collectors, use the Broussard collectors. Also, like we had space algae taking out all of our space circuits, and then now that the space algae is gone, everyone's just up. Like it, that kind of felt weird to me. Yeah, like, I, I feel like we're having some real compressed time going on here. Like, there was a lot of yeah. space between the panels of this comic. That, I feel uh, like what we should have we well should have done is, like, had had Data, like, draw, like, like a dick on Picard's forehead or something. Like, so he, so we knew that he had time to draw something on everyone's faces before they woke up. <laughs> I mean, that would have been better, yeah. <laughs> so then, like, lightning quick. Was it the near-death experience? Was it the wise words from Alexander that were her own wise words? Yeah. Did she just, like, did Compio fart when they were in their air shelter yeah. together? Like, we and don't they're know. Just, they're just, they didn't evac. They weren't like, you know what? F this. Like, we are leaving. This place is a death trap. Like, I'm not staying here one second longer. Like, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. Let's keep going. Protocol dictates, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, let's see how this plays out. <laughs> <laughs> Out of there, like, I'm, I'm, sweating all I'm ugly. also old and desperate and lonely. <laughs> yeah. So it's a good reveal, though. It turns out nobody wants to, like, marry you because of your hetero life mate that is also your rules lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. So I'm trying to pick Jay, picture Jay inside of Bob as Compio and Echo. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it's pretty close. But so here we get kind of a different, like... I mean, this is a legit naked thing. Getting I mean, some even major though, bisexual vibes off of Dr. Crusher here. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, yeah, true. Um, and this is um, fine. But- I don't think there's a problem with Alexander seeing this. I don't think this is really <laughs> a problem in general other than it is kind of – it's supposed to be empowering. There's a lot to unpack, I feel, with that. I, I think Luoxana deciding to show up naked to her own wedding, according to Betazoid yeah. tradition – 
Yeah. Which completely burns down this agreement with Compio yeah. and his yeah. his protocol minister. See, and I great. thought Compio, like, for a second, for a second, I thought Compio thought was, was like, hey, cool. man, shut up, shut up. No, I'm doing this. Um, yeah. But he doesn't. He, he's like, oh, yeah, no, take take me away, hetero life mate. He's just whisked <laughs> away, yeah. With a very, a very childish, yet very visually effective, his attache puts his hand in front of the minister's eyes. It's great. It's great yeah. visually. And so this um, is kind of like cliche, like totally predictable kind of resolution. Everyone's in the mud bath and everyone has a particular response to it. But it's yeah. it's good. I like this wrap up. I mean, there's if you're going to make a show that's aimed at a broad audience, that's going to be like, look, America, this is science fiction 101. This is our lesson. It's fine to wrap up and say, hey, look, this is our lesson. That's what the Picard speeches are. The Picard speeches are, this is our lesson boiled down for the yeah. slowest members of the audience. And there's nothing uh, wrong with that. Worf can't be comfortable Worf- at all. Oh, he's only comfortable when drinking the blood of his enemies. <laughs> I mean, big mood. Like, you're just supposed to sit in a mud bath. I mean, come on. I mean, he had to have known that. <laughs> like, okay, I mean, he was, even he athletes, was willing to professional try. athletes who are paid millions of dollars to go be athletic and then stop have like massages and saunas, et cetera, et cetera, to like get their muscles back into good shape. So this weird notion that a warrior doesn't understand the benefit of like being in some heated fluid for a period of time. I mean, come on. Worf doesn't relax well. That's what we get. He's a really <laughs> uptight guy. Yeah. He's, he's, so. he's our banner bear for uptightness. Yeah, that is fair. So final thoughts, the cost of living. I liked it. You know, I, I, at the very beginning of Luxwana episodes, I was, I was very, oh, this is going to bother me every time, isn't it? And as they got older, and I think I've said this before, they've gotten better and better over time. And, you know, this one, it has kind of a a undercurrent of sadness that never gets addressed. And it makes you kind of worry about Luxwana a little bit. Like she's going to go, going to, you know, just go to like, a forest somewhere and just die alone, you know, because nobody wants her or something. And that's just like, I hope doesn't happen. Uh, it doesn't. It that's doesn't. great. That's good. We get, we get more from Loxana. Oh, that's good. Do not worry about that. Um, yeah. So next week we have the perfect mate. Yeah. So Netflix is giving us a picture of Picard looking, I would say this isn't a neutral face. This is more of a, I am slightly pleased, face, um, with, <laughs> with a, a female's uh, hand on his forehead. So okay, I read uh, the description, Derek. Don't be angry at Star Trek, okay? Don't be angry at Star <laughs> okay. Trek. See, I'm very good at these things. Like I, when I'm describing the card, I do not read the bottom, so I don't know what's coming up. You've read it. I haven't read it. Um, and so th- this hand is either trying to comfort him or caress him in some way, or maybe trying to read his mind. I'm not sure. And this is what we get from Netflix via summary. The Enterprise is unwittingly used to used to present a unique gift to an alien race, a beautiful empath whose sole purpose is to. Okay, all right. You promised you wouldn't <laughs> be is, angry, Derek. <laughs> I, I have I'm, I'm gonna have a hard time with that. I I will try to keep an open mind about such things. <laughs> uh, we will see you next week. All right. And until then, remember Rand. Remember Rand. I'll make this short because no one likes credits. Star Trek is property of CBS Television Studios and Paramount Pictures. We are watching Star Trek on Netflix. We are talking over Discord. And we are recording and editing on Audacity. 
The Beige and the Bold is hosted on Anchor and can be found on most podcasting platforms. I would also like to thank our senior officer Patreons for supporting the Beige and the Bold. They also make video editions of this podcast and remasters of old episodes possible. So thank you to Tracker by Moonlight and Miss Jess. If you have any questions or concerns about the show, please contact me at venvelding at gmail.com or on Twitter at venvelding. Thank you and remember Rand.